All right, friends, welcome back. This is Dan and Nick's Bible study oh, podcast. Man, am I am I declining? <laughs> I wanted you, Nick, I wanted you to be first in the kingdom, so you gotta be last now. I was gonna say, am I becoming less so you can become more Dan? <laughs> no, that ain't how it works, buddy. We're both <laughs> we're both becoming less so that Jesus can become more. That's the goal. And as a matter right. of fact, that is the very the very specific subject matter, if you will, of the beginning of our text here today. So welcome back to the journey, friends. We are in a kind of a uh, ongoing thing here in Colossians. This is our uh, second. Well, we've done some other things. We're going to have to kind of link together in the past here. But we started Colossians chapter one last week. And so um, if you uh, didn't get a chance to hear that or read that, uh, you might want to hit pause and do that before you uh, before you get to this. But we're going to continue that journey. We're excited to be back with you. First time ever, Nick. We're doing a book giveaway today, ah. but I'm not going to even announce it right now. I'm going to wait like halfway through. You know why? Because I want to know who's listening. I love it. <laughs> I want to know who's who's hanging around. So I'm going to give away uh, a copy of a book. I have two copies of it. It's called How Not to Read the Bible by Dan Kimball. I've not gotten into it yet, but I've heard a couple interviews with him and I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be um, a good book, a good resource for like apologetics, uh, sharing our faith, understanding more about how <laughs> how to study the Bible by how not to study the Bible. So that relates well to what we're doing. I'm going to give away a copy of this to anybody in the United States. Um, I'll send it to you. So stay tuned for that. Um, how any you- book of the out of the vast and expansive Dan Masshart Library is is a well, good book. No, that's not true. <laughs> that is decidedly Nick not true because I have some weird stuff, man. Um, I have, um, I, I've got a special shelf, Nick, that has doors on it that I can close the doors. That's where the stuff, all the atheist books and the different religions and the cults, man. I've, I've, I want to be able to learn about this stuff, you know, firsthand. So it's all there. Um, I can't wait to see your your doctorate uh, thesis. So you know, whatever you pick as a topic. Well, it's that I don't know if that's ever going to happen or not. Okay. Well, we'll see. I'm I'm betting it is. It probably is, but we'll see. All right. So we're in Colossians chapter one here today, and um, let's just get right into it, right? Yeah. We 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 normally wait. uh, We we normally banner a little bit, and I hate that when other people do that. So (laughs) do unto others is your right kind of deal. So. we're going to pick up in Colossians 1, uh, 15. Uh, do you want to do some reading? or I'm going to let you do it. Okay. I'll okay. let you because you'll pace us. <laughs> well, I stop, I stop. Sometimes I stop mid, mid-verse. And it's like of... <laughs> he. He. That refers to. <laughs> now, who is the he? <laughs> he who is the name above every name. <laughs> All right. So Colossians 1, 15. The sun is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Hmm. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he may have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, 
or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Wow. Woo. That's big. I wish somebody would preach in here. <laughs> that's that's, that's so, a pretty supreme authority right there, baby. Damn. Um, so what are your, uh, as you read this, what, um, what kind of sticks out to you or how does it strike you? You know, if you were the recipient, you are the recipient today of this letter, but um, as you think also about the initial audience, what do you, I mean, what's, what do you think Paul might be trying to do here? Um, what's the effect that it has on us, you know, still today as the readers? I, you know, I, I think he's, he's doing a lot of things. I, one of which is probably um, attempting to connect uh, to previous writings and previous scripture uh, and tap into um, some wording that, that would give somebody a foundation. But I think he's also trying to express the point of how significant Jesus Christ is. Right. And, and in today's world, especially in today's world, sometimes we forget that respect is due certain people, right? Just because of who they are, you know, like a police officer deserves respect because they're enforcing the law, fire, you know, there's certain people that just deserve our respect. And in this, you know, society that is becoming ever more, um, uh, you know, lacking in respect, I don't necessarily want to go to disrespectful. I know it probably means the same thing, but I, I think he's, he's trying to present, wow, th this is this is the God of all creation, like show respect for not only what he is, but what he did for us. Mm -hmm. So that would yeah. be, that's my short answer. What's yours? <laughs> I don't have any short answers. So let's move on. Okay. <laughs> um, here's what's on, here's what's on my mind and heart, I guess. Maybe some of it too is in this current, current moment, but I think it has to relate to what's going on there. And, and we have to remember as we as we talk about you know um, context right of this of this letter and what's going on here that we spent our last episode again talking about uh, Paul's prayer for these believers just to grow 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 right mm -hmm. full yeah. full and deep understanding the knowledge of God and God's will and and that that would flow out right into the way that into the way that they live their lives and that everything we do would be pleasing to God. Um, kind of thing. So, you know, he's very much trying to set a tone here for this. Um, and in the second part, as he kind of sh um, shifts gears there a, lo a little bit or builds on that, that beginning, um, my, my thought or my concern for myself, for others, for our friends, is that sometimes, even though we're serious believers, um, sometimes what captures our attention, what captures our imagination, what captures our affection, what, uh, what we strive and we long for is something other than, you know, the content of Paul's prayer here in the, in, in the last section, you know, it's like, yeah, we believe in Jesus, but what we're really after is a political agenda. Yeah. We believe in Jesus, but what I really want is a perfect family. Yeah. We believe in Jesus, but what I really want is you know, a job where people respect me. Yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I really, you know, and so it comes back to this, you know, the teaching of Jesus, uh, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and then everything else kind of right. gets added on. And I think, although, you know, none of us who express faith in Jesus would deny that, right? None, none, like nobody would say, yeah, yeah, God, but I really want this. Um, but in practice, right. 
<laughs> right in practice. Yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to be generous and kind and go, yeah, you're right, Dan. <laughs> you know, and again, and again, this is not, this is not a, a judgment thing. This is, I'm looking at myself. Right. And I'm saying, what occupies my thinking? What occupies my desires? What am I seeking after and longing for? What are the things that are filling my mind? What am I daydreaming about? You know, and so often it's it's other things. And so Paul comes in with this huge vision of Jesus, mm. <laughs> right? And and I think, you know, he wants to capture our imagination. I mean, you know, Nick, is there a is there a time and a place in our preaching? And our teaching to sometimes have messages that don't involve a lot of application, that don't involve what to do with this, steps and all that, but it just can be filling up our hearts and our imagination with the with the grandeur of who God is. I think that's you know? important, Dan. Yeah. I really do. I think it's amazingly important because when it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, all of it, it's not like, you know, oh, wake up in the morning. Hey God, how you doing? And go about your day. It's like, wow, in all your majesty, everything I have, every blessing that I have, everything you've you've given this to me, the breath in my lungs, you've given this to me. And again, it's that richness of the relationship when you understand how great God is and how good God is. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden you start to go, hey, you know what? I do want to make him number one in my life. And if I don't understand who he is and value who he is, you're never going to give your whole heart to him. Yeah. You know, you're in practice, as you said. And again, I say it kindly, uh, you know, it, <laughs> some people give lip service, but they do nothing to make God, you know, the number one thing in their life. Yeah. And so, you're, you know, each one of us, that goes back to that heart measurement where each one of us has to look at our own heart. Am I really making him number one in my life? Yeah. And and individually for anybody listening to this, you're the only one that can decide that. We yeah. can look at the fruit, we can look at what comes out of you and judge the fruit, but you're the only one who can look at it and say, "Man, this is the God of all creation. Am I really making him number 1?" Yeah, and 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 part of I think the way that it show it shows up is that sense of of peace and joy that we have and this is not to whitewash, you know, situations. I mean, obviously this hard stuff that we've been walking through and we'll walk through. Um, but there is a steadiness and a peace, um, you know, to use other language, right? The peace that passes understanding. Right. Um, you know, this idea we've talked about, about, you know, living in the unshakable kingdom. Um, you know, we can say those things as lip service, but if we really believe that, if we believe that we have an intimate connection with the Jesus that Paul is talking about here, that ought to shape the way that we think about the comings and goings of life, whether it be a president, a politician, a situation, you know, a job, a year, or, wh or whatever. Um, none of that changes this. None of that changes who God is. And if we're connected to this God, um, there should be a steadiness, I think, mm -hmm. in us, you know, in the midst of that. You know, I'm thinking too that it it not only governs how we act, but it also, it, I mean, this should also govern sort of the the culture of our gathering, the culture of our yeah. church, right? As well, we shouldn't be concerned about, um, you know, budgets and attendance. Yeah, we should we should be concerned about souls, right? Yeah. And so you want a full church, not because you want a full church for for our 
benefit for, you know, so we can look good. You want a full church because you love people and you know, you have something special. And once yeah. again, it comes back to this idea. If you like lots of people speak the name Jesus. Yes. They speak the name Jesus. They declare the name Jesus, but they do not live by the name of Jesus. And therefore, what I would say is, do they really comprehend and understand the reality of Jesus? Yeah. And when you do that, when you start to understand the reality of Jesus, one, you're humbled greatly, yeah. right? right? Humbled to your knees. And, and number two, you want to share him with other people Yeah. when you comprehend him. Well, and here's the thing, Nick. I wonder if... If sometimes if we don't experience really deep transformation, then our evangelism, our sh our sharing, our wanting to introduce other people to Jesus, kind of becomes like guilt motivated, you know, rather than an organic expression. Right. So it's like, oh well, what you know, why believe? Well, I believe in Jesus because I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven, and I want other people to go to heaven with me and not go to hell. So that's why I share Jesus. Which is is fine. I mean, that's it's part of it, no doubt. But if there's this all-encompassing vision of some, when something changes your life, Nick, you tell people about it, right? Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. When something, yes. I mean, Nick, we tell people about restaurants we like and books we read and all TV shows and all this kind of stuff, right? We get out there and tell it, but and and we do so naturally. We don't have to think about it, huh? Should I recommend this or not? Right. Right. Like we just do it. Right. Um, and here we are. We are we're trying to like, why aren't you people sharing your faith more? What's wrong with you? Do you realize that nobody's letting anybody grow up? You know what I mean? We, we, we try to motivate people. And I wonder if we're taking the wrong approach and instead we need to be preaching and reading and saying things like this mm. and, ha and, and Paul's prayer, right? And having it be like, like if Jesus is so all-encompassing, um, we, it should break our heart that people both, you know, within the community of faith that haven't really experienced the depth, but also people that haven't at all, and we ought to want for them to experience that kind of peace and love and joy. Mm. Um, not just someday, but today. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I don't want people to not have that. I mean, you know, so, but I mean, the language here is just, is just, I mean, all things have been created through him and for him. Right. <laughs> this goes back to like Romans 1, right? That why, you know, so upset that when creation kind of turns against the creator, because there's an, as an ir irony there. It's like John uh, chapter 1, where, you know, John says he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Right. Um, like there's a tragic nature there, right? That we are, and, and it's not because he's like incomplete without, our worship, but we're incomplete without our worship of him. Um, and, 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 and you got to let that resonate. Like they did not receive him. Are we receiving him today? Yeah. You know, are we receiving him today? If he shows up, um, you know, this, this language should also transform you in a way where everything you do gets filtered through this. Right. So I, I, I remember one of my, <laughs> one of my most regret regrettable moments um, I was standing on the street in Seattle on a business trip with some other people and we were talking and a guy rolls up in a wheelchair and he's pretty, he's pretty beat up. Like he's got some serious wounds and stuff. I mean, you could tell this is, this is a guy's hurt and he's down on his lot. And he comes up to me and he says, you know, sir, can I, can I ask you a question? And I said, no, not right now. Cause I was talking to these people over here. And he said, sir, can I ask you a question? I turned around and I snapped at him. I said, I said, no, 
And in that, in that moment right there, he starts to wheel away. And I immediately thought I just dismissed Jesus Christ. Oh, like it was like, I teared up. It was this convicting moment where it was like, yep, that's exactly what scripture talks about. Yeah. And, and it, like this, this passage should move you to tears when you don't live up to it. Right. When you don't understand who he is. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, so, um, you know, obviously I'm talking all the time about books. Okay. But as I mentioned before, the things that really are the ones that I tend to think about and recommend are the ones that have ideas that just stick in my mind. I mean, you know, Nick, a lot of books just kind of like, Oh, that was nice. That was good. I liked it. Da, 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 whatever onto, onto, you know, what else is next? But there's some that something sticks in your idea. And a lot of times it's something, it's something so simple that it's like, you know, whatever. But um, this book that I recommended uh, to you recently called Faithful Presence, a lot of it's about God's presence as, as a theme throughout scripture. Um, but he talks very practically about kind of this stuff about, you know, God is always present, right? God is omnipresent. God is always there. But he, the question he asks is, will we be present to his presence? Meaning, will we acknowledge that Jesus is here, that Jesus um, wants, uh, you know, something for us, wants a direction for us? You know, so will we be present to the fact that he's present and will we submit to his lordship? So right. it, you could take that paradigm and apply it to your, your wheelchair man encounter, right? Where, you know, Jesus was present there and he, and he had a desire for in that moment, you know, do we know always exactly what that is? Well, we don't always know, but that goes back to Paul's prayer here, right? We want to be filled with the knowledge of his will, uh, in the spirit so that we can discern those moments. Right. Right. Paul knew that if we weren't walking in the truth of the kingdom in the, in the full, in the filling of the Holy spirit, that we would miss those moments. Right. I would hazard to say in that moment, you weren't present to the presence right in the direction of the spirit. And so in that moment, but here's the, here's the learning opportunity, right? You realize it. Oh. And, and now, and now we know I have to, um, uh, I've got to bring that with me. I've got to, I've have to learn to, uh, practice the presence. Right. Right. And to say, what, what does, you know, what does Jesus want from me in this moment? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that, that's just something that's, that's so, sort of stuck with me. Um, and he, if you ever get to read the rest of the book, that like he applies it to different situations. Like he said, like he encountered a guy that was like way behind on his um, rent for his apartment. And, and this guy that he he kind of met and he said, I'm going to get evicted or whatever. So he's like, all right, well, let's go meet with your landlord. So this guy, he's like a professor and a pastor and this other guy I meet there. And he's, he basically sits down and, he's, and he says, you know, we believe that God is present here and uh, and has a desire for us, would you be willing to, uh, to join us in kind of seeking, you know, what, how God would want us to move forward. This guy wasn't even a Christian. And, but he, he said, he said, things happen when, even when you invite people to think about that, even if they're like, this is nuts. Um, but you know, the result of that is that something good happened. And then with broken relationships, it's like, we try to push things. We try to make things happen. Right. Um, that's not how God works. Right. God works when we slow down, when we take a posture of submission, of humility, when we trust that this Jesus is real, right? That he created all things. Um, all things are for him. And um, 
man, it's just, I don't know. It's just, I don't live that way, but man, I want to. So, all right. Uh, you ready to move on? Yeah. We're going to shift gears here, aren't we? So, well, it's, I mean, it's, it's what he does. So it's, right. I'm not, I'm not taking any blame for this. I know. But um, so all of a sudden we went from glory <laughs> to God, glory to God. Oh yeah. And here's man. It's what, uh, <laughs> it's what Paul does. I tried to do that on, on Sunday, Nick. I tried to say too much on Sunday morning and I kind of realized it, but I just really wanted to say all of what I wanted to say, but you, you know, Dan? no, <laughs> you got to stay focused and, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't really regret it, but it still it didn't work. So I don't know. Um, so yeah, so I mean, he's crafting this letter, right? So the so the the prayer for their growth, the supremacy of the fullness of who Jesus is. Um, and then in uh, verse twenty one, he sh- shifts or he turns the focus back to the audience specifically. Um, you still want me to read, or you want to pick up? I'm going to shift to ESV. That's fine. Verse 21, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, I'm sorry, that was an important line that I misread. Let me go back here. He is reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Okay. Very good. Um, So clearly I wanted to stress, if indeed. (laughs) Well, before that. If indeed you continue. So before that. Right. He wants to remind the audience, remind us um, where we came from, right? You're just Nick from the block. <laughs> there you go. You know, uh, he wants, to, I mean, this is, this is a reminder that God does throughout the Old Testament. Remember, too, that you were once slaves in Egypt. Hey, when, so, when, when you have, uh, you know, when there's a servant, when there's somebody humble, when there's a foreigner, when there's somebody in your midst, hey, remember that you were once on the other end of things. You know, you weren't, didn't, weren't in, you know, in the, in the place that you're in. Um, so, hey, remember that what you have is God's gift, not because you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, not because you're a special person, not because you obeyed all the rules, but because God rescued you, <laughs> mm. right, in, in, his, in his goodness. So you were once, you were once alienated from God and were enemies in your minds, my translation says, because of your evil behavior, right? Mm-hmm. So what did you do, Nick? Or what did they do? Not much good. No. <laughs> Only bad. Yeah. Right? We get, you know, selfishly into this world and we do all kinds of crazy stuff we shouldn't do. But now he has reconciled you. Right by Christ's physical body. I forget what your translation is, but same, same, obviously, same idea, right? Just different mm-hmm. um, translations, right? So, um, you know, we we don't deserve a thing, but the gift of God uh, is immense, right? So this this Jesus who created all things, and all things are created before Him, and in in Him all things hold together. Um, when we messed up, you know what He did came after us right he didn't say you know i did everything for you and 
forget it. You messed up. You're done. Yeah. He said, uh, he came, he gave his, his life for us, which, which ought to only just increase the enormity of our appreciation and our worship, right? For, uh, for who Jesus is. Um, you know, that, that's a, another story. Um, I was in the room while somebody was sharing with me one time, his testimony and his testimony included a point where uh, someone he loved very, very much became ill. And he said, I remember crying out to God, you know, with a little bit of anger in my spirit. Why could you, you know, how did you let this happen? Why did you let this happen? And he was sort of angry with God because of this thing that happened. And like this sense of awareness came over him that he gave us everything. He sacrificed his son for us. I have to humble myself and say, you owe me nothing. Yeah. You've already given me everything. And, you know, the significance there is certainly not that we can't be upset when bad things happen. I mean, I think right. God will, he's our, he's our comforter. Um, right. But that sense of awe, when you realize once again, he, he gave us parrot, like he gave us everything. And through our selection, we chose to make it dirty and difficult and, you know, whatever it might be through our deeds. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, he did, he pursued us. Yeah. And he gave us another avenue to, to restore us. And we still, you know, many still find a way to complain, but it's like, man, you know, he gave us this perfect plan. He gave us a perfect, he gave us, you know, Eden at the start and Christ to get us there after, we, after the fall. Yeah. And we're still too lazy to say, well, thank you very much. I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> yeah. And this is still, I mean, this world, even in its, even in its fallenness and the ugliness, it's still a pretty wonderful place in a lot of ways that he's yeah, given. I mean, it is. I mean, I I appreciate it very much. You know, as as Paul said in other in other places, you know, what do you have that you weren't given? Um, but yet, you know, Nick. Again, I just for for me, and again, this is not judgment. I'm talking about myself here. Mm-hmm. How often do we? We can say these things all the time. It's like when we, you know, we memorize these truths of God's word and we just say them, but what does it mean to believe that? You know, do do you, do we really believe what we have is is all a gift from God? Well, take it away. Then what right. then what's your response? Well, what your response is is going to show what you really feel. Right. You can say, "Oh, thank God I got this Mercedes and this BMW and this half a million dollar house." Praise God for all the blessings. What goes away? And you're like miserable. God, why do you hate me? Right. You know what I mean? Sounds like Job, man. <laughs> like, you know, it's yeah, that's the that's really kind of like the core question of Job. Uh, you know, the the the, the Satan asks, you know, uh, does Job only love you because you give him all this stuff? Does he love you for you? Does he love you for stuff? Right. And that's why in the scripture that we're looking at, um, you notice um and I think this is probably a significant point. That first extended paragraph that we read, um, and I have to go back to kind of double check this maybe, but almost nothing in here is about the the gifts that God gives. It's about who who he is. You know, I mean, I guess some of it is just in the fact that he created, you know, everything that is he created, but it's not about it's about a picture of Jesus in the fullness of who he is, not just in the blessings of what he gives. Right. And I think that's significant because if we worship God for what he gives, 
then when the giving isn't what we want it to be, the worship gets compromised. Absolutely. We worship God for who he is. Right. That's unchanging. And that's the foundation for our adoration, right? For our affection. And, uh, you know, that's pretty significant. But uh, catch this, Nick, before we get to where I know you want to go. We, we get a little bit of time. We'll get there. Don't worry. All right. All right. Um, so in verse 22, but now he reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. Um, what's the reason that it says that he did that in verse 22 to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation pause. <laughs> um, so, and again, we've talked about this a lot, but there's both a, positional aspect of sanctification, right? Sanctification means the growing in holiness, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and living. With, so there's a positional that God has said, here's who you are just solely by my grace. Your citizenship, you know, is in heaven. Your identity is, uh, is born again uh, in him, clothed with his righteousness. But we often stop there and we say, well, that's it. He, he, he died so that we could just have this thing put over us that doesn't really reflect who we are, but that's not the full story. And we, we know that from all the scriptures that we've been, we've been reading and, and, and indeed the prayer at the beginning of this book, that what he's talking about here is living into a full transformation into that reality. Mm. So Jesus did not come, did not die only to uh, forgive us of our sins, only to make a way uh, into paradise, into eternity. But he died to change us. Yes, from the inside out. Yes, so that uh, we we will we will one day be uh, a people, you know, not as we say often, not perfect, but significantly sanctified. Right. Significantly different, transformed by His grace. Um, that is the point, and that will come up um, uh, regularly. And in, in, uh, in Paul's uh, writing here, he, he'll say later, and we did a podcast episode sometime, that his goal was to present everybody fully mature, perfect, my Greek word, teleos, in Christ, right? Which ties back to his prayer. Paul is not happy when somebody comes to faith. I mean, he's happy. He's not fully satisfied when somebody comes to faith. That's the beginning of the prayer. Right. Somebody coming to faith is the beginning of the race, of the journey. The goal is the end. Well done, good and faithful servant, person who's learned to worship me, who's learned to be present to my presence, who's learned to love your neighbor as yourself, who's learned to love your enemy, right? Who's learned to die to yourself that the power of Christ may live through us. Mm. And if yeah, we understood that, we've missed the point. Right. And, and unfortunately, we have sold a bill of goods in a lot of churches that it is just the fire insurance policy, that it is simply pray and you will be saved for all eternity. You will live with God for all eternity. And that sanctification process gets sort of um, uh, diminished or we don't put enough importance on that. But Christ's message is one that you respond to. Yeah, Like you need to be, well, most of us need to be pretty significantly transformed. Yes. Right. I 
<laughs> you know, because, because there's like some people are, I guess, you know, by nature, good people and not as selfish as some of us are, or whatever it might be. And maybe yeah, the transformation is like just an awareness and that's great. But for a lot of people, the transformation is major league. You are setting aside yourself. You are, you are setting aside every selfishness, every selfish opinion, every selfish want for physical or, or for uh, yeah, physical um, things, um, literally, and putting God first and following Jesus Christ. Like there is absolute transformation that has to take place, and too many churches don't don't invest in that process. They don't take the time to say, "Man, oh man, you you." you proclaim Jesus today and we celebrate that now come alongside us and walk. Yeah. And, and if you don't have that come alongside us and walk piece, you know, I'm not saying again, I don't, you know, if you think about the number of people that Billy Graham impacted by having them do altar calls at his thing, at his, at his uh, sessions, it's amazing. It's miraculous. Right. Um, but where those people went afterwards. Yeah. Mattered so much. And, 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 and he knew that, you know, yeah, he, right. He would and he would say that and he would and he would you know lament that at times i think yeah, you know you have to, like hopefully and i'm sure a lot of people showed up and 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 they were there as a guest they didn't have a church um and they went home and they didn't know what to do with that okay i, I mean I, pro I proclaimed it but what do i do now yeah um and, and i do believe again if you seek god with all your heart eventually you're going to find that path like if you desire that greatly um you're going to follow it but for us that are in churches we need to appreciate the fact that when somebody gives their life to Christ, when they declare Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, mm -hmm. as we've said so many times, as you just said, that's the start of the race. Yeah. Now you're coaching them to get them through the marathon. Yeah. Well, the question is, what's, you know, what's the invitation? Sometimes we've made the invitation receive forgiveness. Right. The invitation is follow me. You will receive forgiveness, but follow me. Yes. Not receive forgiveness. And then, Hey, if you feel like it, follow me, it's follow me. You, you know, you're forgiven. <laughs> it's uh, you know, they, they go together, of course. Um, but so, so let's, let's not neglect um, the, the condition. It's a conditional statement. Yeah, it is. He uh, is now reconciled in his body of flesh, <clears throat> excuse me, by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If, if indeed, you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. So there is, there's, there, there's a response. That, well, yeah, go ahead. There's a response that, you know, and, and part of it is making sure. And again, I mean, this is the difference between um, the seeker needs someone who will help them through that process. Somebody who will disciple them. Correct. The church to meet its obligation, the gathering to meet its obligation, absolutely has to take ownership of that fact that we are here to disciple people, mm -hmm. you know, and Sunday morning is certainly a tool. It's a, it's a fellowship tool. It's a, it's a lot of different things and it's a teaching tool, but that is not discipleship, right? It's, it's life on life. It's, it's taking that person and celebrating with them so much that you're willing to put your arm around them and walk them through life and actually show them as a mature Christian, what it means to be a mature Christian that yeah. you want to see the best in them. Right. And so when it says, you know, and indeed it, you know, as long as you continue in the faith, Oh, I got to do something now. No, 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 no. You want to do something. <laughs> it's going to benefit you. 
you yeah. are going to be a better person when you do this something. Yeah. And it's when you change, I mean, when you change the paradigm, when you change the thinking, it makes more sense because what we, what we, when we read this, what we kind of struggle with or have a hard time is, is was he talking about, um, is he talking about losing your salvation here? What is it, you know, what, what does this mean? But the point is that it's not, the paradigm isn't you, you just only stand in this mysterious place. And then if you somehow slip far enough away or totally deny Christ, then you're a different place. The, 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 the thing that he's saying here is that the end goal is to be, uh, right. To be transformed, to, for, to be sanctified, to be holy, to become the person who he's created you to be, but you can't be, you can't become that if you back out of the race. Right. That's the, if, if you continue, if you don't continue, the process doesn't work. Right. Right. You don't, you don't become a disciple by accident. You don't become transformed by accident. You become transformed by committing yourself in allegiance to Jesus Christ above all else, to making him your Lord, your teacher, your savior, all of the above. That's the path. Right. This is the way you don't get to do it just by doing a prayer and then going home. Right. And, and, and put it this way, you don't get to, you don't get to get there by saying a prayer and going home because if you can say that prayer and then just go home, Again, I keep going back. This is just so important. You have not comprehended what it is you are praying. Like the depth of the meaning. And that's why I say that simple prayer that so many people say, just pray this and everything's going to be fine. No, just pray this. And then we're going to start a journey that you're never going to forget. But don't leave people with the impression, just pray this and you're going to be fine. Right? That's, that's not fair. That's not fair to them. It's not fair to you either if you're saying it because you probably don't comprehend. Yeah. So, you know, again, I, I saw an interesting commercial this morning actually on TV and it was uh, Franklin Graham. Um, and, and it was a, um, an 800 number basically. And he came on and said, friends, let me tell you, if you've been struggling with, you know, affliction, if you've been struggling with alcohol, if you've been struggling with whatever, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Just pray this prayer with me right now and let Jesus come into your heart. Now he did say, now, now that you prayed that prayer, call this number. So is that in here about the number? Or is that in the footnote? What's that? No, no, the number was on the screen. And I'm sitting there watching this thing going, okay, how's this going to go? Right? How how's this commercial going to end up? I'm I'm very curious because is he going to leave it hang there? Or is it gonna, and I'm assuming that you know, if you pray the prayer and call the number, there's going to be somebody on the other end of that line that's going to now tell you, okay, let me help you through this. Let me walk you through what's going on right now. Yeah. You know, let me tell you what this looks like. Let me tell you how to find a church. Let me tell you how to find somebody to help you disciple. You should have called the number and found out. What's that? You should have called the number and found out. Well, I didn't have time to call the number this morning, but, <laughs> um, it, it, you know, so it's, it, it's that idea though, that there's a responsibility that comes with that. Yeah. Right. And, and, um, as, as the church, as people listening, you need to find a church, you need to be in the word, you need people who are going to help you understand what scripture says. So if you're seeking and, and you're new to the faith, you know, you want mature people around you. You can't actually, you constantly want to be looking for people who are, you know, the next step in front of you. Right. Or you constantly want to be looking for people who can help you achieve that, that further maturity. Uh, and I would say that never stops through your entire life. Um, but, and from the church's perspective, we need to understand that there is an incredible responsibility to raise up disciples of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's not just going out there and, and, and getting that, those first time commitments in prayer. It's it's actually saying we need 
we need to invest in people. We need to help people understand because in a lot of ways, um, certainly in America, the, the, the Christian church in America has really gotten off track in a lot of ways, in a lot of places, not everywhere, but in a lot of places. And so for those that are true Christ believing scripture following people, you got to make yourself available to those that are, are new to the faith. Um, and you, you've got to present that love and we need to stop, you know, we need to, we need to stop being defined by these, these people who think their job is to get on television and, and, you know, proselytize or whatever it might be, you know, and, and, and these pundits who tell us what to think. And we start needing to be people of peace who actually look for those one-on-one relationships where we can help people be, you know, help disciple people so that they can grow in their faith. And the more we do that, the more healthy the church becomes, the more the, you know, the more um, the Christian church grows organically and meaningfully, not false numbers, not, you know, we don't have to sit back and wonder why, are, you know, why are we dying? Why are our numbers going down? Why doesn't anybody in society like us? Because if we're living the salt and light as we're supposed to, you know, if we're obeying this, if we're, if we're actually comprehending God and, and, and Jesus, how intense that relationship is, and then understanding there's a lot more to it. It's a discipleship, not a, not a, not a, I declare it's actually a discipleship road of sanctification. When we get those things down, now all of a sudden the church is going to be healthy. It's going to prosper and it's going to prosper for the right reasons. Mm, that's good. That's good. Um, you know what, what questions on my mind though, as we, as we wrap up here, um, I'm, I'm curious for your thoughts. Uh, you said that, and I agree with you, um, you know, we tell people just pray this prayer and you're all set. That's not it. Um, what, you know, what would you say to people if what, what does make somebody all set, you know, or, or safe or secure, you know, in Christ, what, what does that look like? And, you know, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I think it's a good, it's a good question, right? If it's not just this, what, you know, what is it? Um, because, because I think people do need they need some kind of assurance, um, you know, to an extent that they're not just hanging in the balance, you know, of, um, of God's, you know, acceptance and God's will and things and things like that. And so, the, you know, I mean, the way that I tend to think about it is, you know, when, when we enter into that discipleship relationship with Jesus, that we're safe there, you know, and I, I go back through the examples of the, um, disciples, mm -hmm. you know, and when Jesus called the ones he specifically called and the ones that just sort of followed along. Um, even when they got it wrong, even when they messed up, even when they sinned, you know, they were safe in that relationship, but it was, but it was very much that ongoing, you know, relationship uh, in which, you know, there is safety. Yeah. That as long as we're, as long as we're, you know, it's not about us, you know, but it's, I don't know. See, it's, 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 it's harder, right. To articulate very, maybe specifically, um, how but, you would positively, but Dan, I would say this, it is a matter of the heart, right? And so what I mean by that is there were two criminals hanging with Christ on the cross, right? Right. And, and in the final moments of life, one of those criminals said, this truly is a son of God. I want to be with you in paradise. And all he did beyond that was die. Yeah. Right. So there was no discipleship. There was no sanctification necessarily, but there was a change of heart. Right. And so in that moment, Christ says, you'll be with me in paradise. So you got to look at that there. Something did happen. There was transformation there. Yeah. Because both of those guys could have been hanging on that cross saying, yeah, fool, you're going to die with us. 
Yeah. But one of them chose not to be that, that person. Yeah. I guess the, the, the challenge always becomes right. What would that guy have done if he got down off the cross? Well, and, and that, that is uh, exactly know. it. And that's it. And, and I think that that is the thing, Nick, that we, we need to realize and come back to as much as we're talking about total transformation, that we're not talking about anything that's works based because that's where people get have a hard time. We're, what we're talking about, I think, is like when you really understand or not. I mean, I still think back though, Nick, and I think, what did I understand? What it's heart based. It's heart based. It's not yeah. works based. It's heart based. Yeah. You know, so when you have the change of heart, the work's going to come. When you have the change of heart, the fruit's going to come. You know, you're going to go from being a, a mean cuss that nobody likes to someone that's self-controlled, you know, maybe a person of peace. You know, you're going to exhibit the fruits of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, excuse me. Right away? No. <laughs> that's a sanctification process, though. You're going to, it's going to matter to you. Like your fruit is going to matter to you. Yeah. And as your fruit matters to you, you're going to continue to work and work and work because you love Christ so much that you're willing to transform your life yeah, in, into a better life. Yeah. And when you, you know, and we pick up on the prayer that Paul has here on this vision of who Jesus is, I think he's being very strategic here. And of course, this is inspired, uh, you know, by God as well, too. He's, he's putting, he's putting the pieces into place here to remind the church, the believers um, how to stay on that path, you know, how to, how to stay rooted to remember, you know, and he reminds them of the significance of God's grace of the need and the desire to continue to grow in it. And the realization of the fullness of who Jesus is, mm. when we put these things before our minds and they fill our hearts, like you're talking about, Nick, it sets us on the path. It does. And, uh, so, uh, all right. Let's call it. Let's call it for the day. I have a book well, giveaway. I was gonna say you got to give a book away, right? So a book away. Thank you for reminding me how to read the Bible by how not to read the Bible by Dan Kimball. So what I would like people to do is leave a comment somewhere that I can see it that says I listened or I watched. Uh, a comment below the Facebook post or on the YouTube video or on our page or send me a private message, whatever. Let me know that you listen to or watch this episode and you are entered in random drawing from those two or three names <laughs> uh, on Tuesday. You don't have to be there with us on Tuesday, but I'll pick a name on Tuesday. And uh, so do that. Get a copy. I'll, I'll send it to you in the mail. How not to read the Bible. First, first book giveaway, Nick, maybe first of many. Maybe. So... Um, Read this passage of scripture this week. Fill your heart and your mind with the fullness of who Jesus is, and it will bear fruit, I believe, mm. right, in, in, in our lives. Um, all you have to do is, you know, is just trust Jesus with your whole heart, and um, it's going to happen. Yeah, and I, I, I pray in this moment, too, that the Holy Spirit be with you if you're listening to this, that the Holy Spirit be with you and allow you to see to see that depth, to see the reality of Christ. Um, because once you see it, you're not going to turn away. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so good. And it's, um, you know, the, the more we turn our eyes and our hearts towards him, the more the fullness fills us. And it, it, and it, like Paul says in second Corinthians, his love compels us, right? Everything that we do, who we are, the way, you know, if you're, if you're struggling to, 
love a neighbor, if you're struggling to love an enemy, if you're struggling with the political situation, if you're struggling with whatever, loving someone, turn your eyes to Jesus, you know, and, and remember like this, we just read it, right? Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds and he reconciled you he saved you his grace poured out towards you and he's not done with you yet thank mm. god he's not done with me <laughs> amen. amen to that right um and i'm so thankful for uh, for his grace so okay guys we'll see you tuesday see you tuesday take care